Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. Well, I can can go home right now and be okay, couldn't you? Yeah, but how many of y'all are ready for a a little bit of fresh revelation from the Holy Word? Amen. Well, I'm going to preach fast and aggressive, so you take notes fast and aggressive. We'll still beat the Methodists to the buffet. How about that? Sound good? All right. Well, this morning, I'm going to start a new series called Underdog. Underdog. Uh, The scripture, uh, the more you read it, the more you find where God took the most inopportune people and the most inopportune moments to bring glory to the kingdom of God. And can I tell you that, uh, that he's still doing that? Uh, the fact that I'm in front of you today preaching is proof of that. God can use anybody. Amen. And so uh, today we're going to take a look. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, this is also known as the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath. And hopefully we'll point out some, uh, some things that maybe you hadn't thought about in that story before. How many of you grew up uh, in church and you saw David and Goliath on a green felt board in Sunday school? Oh, that was epic, wasn't it? Man, you can... You know, if you did it just right, you got a sandwich cookie and some Kool-Aid. So that was always a high-quality weekend for me. Um, Today, we're going to talk about David versus Goliath, how God took an impossible moment and not only made it possible, uh, but changed the course of an entire country because of his goodness. Uh, I want to second what Tim was saying next Saturday, uh, the 17th at 8 a.m. We're going to meet at Central Baptist. Uh, I challenge you to be a part of that. We believe God has called us to make a difference in our community. And, uh, and if you come, man, bring you some work gloves and just be ready to get busy because we're going we're gonna to beautify and bless our community. Amen. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole story. I'll just kind of give you the cliff notes of it. Um, we find David showing up to take food to his brothers who are on the front line of a battle in a place called the Valley of Elah. The Valley of Elah was a place where the Philistines had lined up on one mountain and the Israelites had lined up on the other and down in the valley they're going to meet for this war. The problem is, and it's a huge problem, is the Philistines have a giant named Goliath. Now you're going to see in a few minutes just how big Goliath was. Uh, This was a giant to every extent of the word. And instead of sending the whole army out, he was challenging them one-on-one, mano-a-mano, you send your best, I'm here, and we're going to fight this. And whoever wins takes possession of the other army. Whoever loses becomes the slaves of the other army. And so the Israelites were locked up in fear. And so David's father says, hey, take your brother some food. Because in those days, they didn't have rations. Your family kept supporting you as you fought for the local militia. And so David's brothers were hungry, so his dad said, hey, take them some food, uh, check on them, and bring me word back. So David goes to the Valley of Elah, where he drops off food to his brothers, and he sees a situation uh, that he just finds uh, completely unacceptable. Uh, There is a giant in the valley, not only mocking the Israelites, but mocking the God of the Israelites, uh, which completely sends David into overdrive mode. He's like, this is going to stop right now. The problem is is David is a shepherd boy. Uh, He is not a large stature person, uh, has never really been on the battlefield. 
We have no documentation of David ever fighting a human before that point. And starting with a giant is probably not the best idea. Uh, if you have never wrestled in your life, starting with an Olympic wrestler is probably not the best way to start. There are certain levels of wisdom we should have as human beings. Well, how many knows that God's ways supersede the ways of men? So we have David now in this valley talking to his brothers. And they said, David, don't speak too loud. You're going to make Goliath mad. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Sleep. Don't wake him up. And he goes, no. He said, he's over there mocking you. But even worse, he's mocking our God. We will not stand for this. And they said, David, shut your mouth. You hadn't seen him stand up yet. He's a giant. David says, have you forgotten how big our God is? We will not tolerate this. And so I said, are you serious? You really want to fight him? He goes, yeah, turn me loose. Like, all right, go ask King Saul. If he says, okay, you can fight him. King Saul hears that there's a young man who wants to fight Goliath, and he's tickled. That means he doesn't have to fight him. So David goes and sees the king, and the king goes, you want to fight the giant? David says, yeah, I want to fight the giant. The king goes, okay, I'm glad it's not me. Hey, why don't you take my armor out there? It's made of gold, and it'll protect you. And so they start putting the, uh, the, the, the armor of the king on David, and the problem is it's so heavy because it's not really built for him. It's built for somebody. Have you ever tried to walk in somebody else's calling and it just don't fit? Have you ever been in a season that God didn't call you in, but you stepped into prematurely and it just didn't quite fit like it? Anybody ever been there? Well, what happens in those moments where things aren't quite fitting is I promise you the enemy will always send a giant to attack you when you're at your weakest. Okay, so now David is covered in this armor and David goes, man, this, this, I can't really move like I need to move. And they're like, move how you need to move? What are you talking about? He said, well, let me explain something to you. I, I, I've never been on the battlefield. He said, but I've been with some sheep before. And they're like, okay, this is getting weirder. And he says, no, 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 listen. He says, my dad entrusted me with all of his sheep. He didn't divide them up. He trusted me with all the sheep. And, 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 and every once in a while, a bear would come out of the woods, try to take the sheep. He said, I got this thing right here on this hip. Got this little burner right here. <laughs> he said, I got that. Gat, gat, gat. <laughs> and he pulls out and he's got the slingshot. And they're like, David, no, that's a giant, bro. Like, you're not going to beat Goliath with that. He goes, no, listen, I didn't just kill a bear. He said, there was a day when a lion came up and took one of the sheep. And he said, I had to kill the lion. He said, so... I slung, and I hit the line, and I was able to retrieve my father's sheep. They're like, well, I mean, I, I guess ain't nobody else going to give it a shot. So, okay, go. David says, but the only problem is I got to lose this armor. I can't take this with me. Can I tell you, in the natural, that did not make sense. But see, had David worn Saul's armor, Saul's armor might have received some glory. And God, God don't share glory. He just doesn't share glory. What you're going to find is, uh, is that this story is all about God getting positioned back in the hearts of his children correctly. And so we find David in this valley about to take on Goliath, takes off the armor, which is even more crazy. And he walks out of the king's tent. And the scripture says 
that he looks over at Goliath and he tells him, says, this is about to be an ugly day for you. I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing, but go read it. It's in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. He says, uh, he said, today is going to be pretty bad for you, Goliath. And Goliath says, hang on, who sent it? You sent a kid out here to fight me? He says, son, go home. You don't want this action. You don't want this smoke. Go home. And David just leans down and picks up five smooth stones off the ground. Now watch this. Watch this. You need to see this. You need to see this. I'm sure I'm taller than David, but it'll work. He reaches down and he grabs five smooth stones. And he picks them up and he sees Goliath over the battlefield. And he's walking and he's picking up stones. And all of a sudden he gets his fifth stone and he starts running toward him. Can you imagine what the giant thought at that point? What? (laughs) This is going to be easy. I can just wait right here. He's coming to me. So David takes out that slingshot and begins to whip that slingshot as he's running toward Goliath and lets one loose. The first stone. The Bible says that it struck Goliath in the forehead. And where it struck him, it hit him so hard that he buckled and he fell down flat. Scripture, some of it says, as if he were dead, but he was not dead yet. A lot of people say, well, David killed a giant with a slingshot. Mm, gets a little worse than that. It's a little bit more savage than that. David, not wanting to take any chances. Have you ever been in a place in life where you couldn't take chances? You had to make sure that what the assignment God put you on was complete. So David goes onto the battlefield, which first off, the Philistines have taken, they've taken off of the mountains. Goliath is down. David runs up and grabs the sword of Goliath. And he picks it up and he drops the sword on Goliath and cuts his head off. Glory. I guess it's okay to say glory to that. <laughs> and, uh, and listen, it gets even weirder. David picks the head up of this giant. This is a big old head. He picks his head up of this giant. When he lifts it up, the Bible says the entire Israelite army gave a shout of victory. And they took off into the valley of Elah. And they chased down all of the Philistines. And they took them captive that day. Can I tell you, your victory is not just for you. There are people who are watching you. There's another generation that's coming. They have to see the faith of their fathers in action, right? So when I'm writing this, I was like, okay, first thing, I'm going to have to make sure I don't get too hyped too soon in writing because this is one of them stories that I honestly, I can, I can just go completely bonkers on preaching. Uh, and so I want to give you three quick Sessions about giants. Just I'm gonna teach them fast. I'm gonna teach them fast. See, uh, the first thing I want you to understand is uh, you have to identify your giant. Every one of you, if you're not dealing with a giant now, you will be. Uh, I, I think the best way to say this: some of y'all send me some real weird stuff, and you might be in the room. But you sent me some video about some Nephilim still walking around, some giants still walking around, and they had dug up some bodies of some giants. And you sent me an email saying, you think giants are still walking around? I don't know about walking, but they're certainly lingering in our heads. 
Let me explain that. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't go by the name Goliath anymore. Uh, sometimes giants will be called bad prognosis. Sometimes a giant will be called bankruptcy. Sometimes a giant will be called lost my job. Sometimes a giant might be called my children aren't saved. Sometimes your giant might be called divorce. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is that giants are still around. They just come in different forms now. But the good news is that God's still on the throne. And if he was a giant killer thousands of years ago, he's still a giant killer today. Because the scripture that I read says he's the same yesterday, today, and... Okay. So how do we identify our giants? First Samuel chapter 17, verse 4 through 7. It says, And a champion went out from the camp of <laughs> the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. If you go to the research on that, it's nine foot nine, approximately three inches shy, 10 feet. Big old boy. Uh, he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat of mail was 5,000 shekels, uh, about 125 pounds. And that was all made of bronze. He had a bronze armor uh, on both legs, bronze javelin between his shoulders. Uh, and this staff that was between his shoulders, the spear, says it was like a weaver's beam. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. To give you the details, if you go chase all this down, his spear was about 13 feet long, uh, and just the broad head tip on it weighed 34 pounds. Have you ever gone to the gym uh, and, and, and lifted a 35-pound plate? Okay, try to throw that uh, from here to there, and you'd be in trouble. It'd be hard to get it there. But now think of a human that it would take to cover 40 to 60 yards with something like that. So here's what's interesting. In studying this week, I found out that the Philistines were really good at making metallurgy uh, and, and swords and stuff like that. But they had a regulation that they would build the chain mail at about 20 to 25% of the man's weight so that he did not get too slow. With that being the case, you're dealing with a human it is 10 feet tall and 500 pounds. This was a giant, right? The reason I tell you that is because David actually had it easier than you have it. David didn't have to think about what it is he's struggling with. He didn't have to think about what it is keeping him up at night. He didn't have to think. He just looked out in the, in the valley and he goes, oh, that's him. That's the giant. That giant pile of man sleeping under the tree over there, that must be him. But you and I have a little bit harder uh, task, identifying our giant. So here's five quick thoughts on how you can identify your giant. Number one, what seems overwhelming to you at this moment? What seems overwhelming to you at this moment? Number two, what is the root thought or cause of your fear? What's the root thought or cause of your fear? Number three, 
What situation is trying to destroy your peace? What situation is trying to destroy your peace? How many of you are already starting to get a name for your giant? Starting to zero in on your giant. Number four, what is challenging what God has spoken? You know God's word, but what's coming against it? What's challenging what God has spoken? And number five, what continues to plague your mind day after day after day? You see, giants are tricky. Uh, in the scripture in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17, it made this statement about Goliath that he mocked the Israelites in the morning and the evening for 40 days. And it would have gone longer, but a little boy named David showed up. He just would get up in the morning. He'd say, hey, Israelites, who amongst you strong enough to come get this heat? Again, paraphrasing. After dinner, he said, hey, y'all found a man over there amongst you yet? Send him out. Next morning, how was breakfast, ladies? Anybody care to fight a grown man today? I'll meet you on the battlefield. The next night, hey, getting sick of waiting on you dogs. I'm starting to wonder if your God is who you say he is. This went on for 40 days. Can I tell you, giants don't give up easily. Identify your giant. Every one of us, like I said, is either facing a giant, have faced a giant, or will face a giant. It is imperative that you identify it. The next thing after you identify your giant is you have to understand your giant. You have to understand your giant. Point number one, giants are essential to your growth. Please don't miss that. Giants are essential to your growth. If each one of you were to be honest with yourself and go in hindsight, go back in time, you will find that your past is littered with the body of dead giants. Why? Because God is faithful. And if he killed giants for David, he'll kill giants for Max. If he kills giants for Max, he'll kill giants for Julie. Right? God is just God. He loves us, right? So we look back in our past and we see what God has done in the past. And it's what brought us to where we are now in our faith. So understand when a giant comes, it's not that you will be overdone and overwhelmed. No, it's that your faith is ready to grow. Giants are essential to your growth. Number two, giants are not placed by God. Giants are not placed in your life by God. I'm going to clean up just a little bit of bad theology for a second. Let me, let me get out my spick and span and clean up some bad theology. Some of you were taught that God brings giants into our life. And it's not true. One of the biggest questions I have as a pastor is, why does God do bad things to good people? God doesn't. Um, and and, and I, I'll, I'll get into the minutia of that just for a second because I want you to have understanding. If you're sick, God did not give you that sickness. 
Uh, Wendy and I are, are leaving out of town uh, today. We're going to be gone a few days. And every time I leave, Nora always says, uh, what are you going to bring me? I said, well, what do you want? You want a toy or a candy? And she always gives me the same answer. Both. <laughs> so uh, I told her, I said, okay, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you both. I'll get you a little something and a little something to eat on. So, you know, a little snack, a little toy, whatever. And, uh, and she says, she says, by the way, she goes, did you know where any m and She's rubbing her stomach like this. She goes, did you know where any M&Ms are? And I said, not off the top of my head, I don't. I said, you want some M&Ms? She goes, sounds good. I said, does sound good. I said, I don't have any to give you. She said, if you knew where some are, would you give them to me? I said, yeah, I probably would. She goes, because there's some on the top shelf in the pantry. And I... <laughs> Dang, she caught me. So I went and got her M&Ms. But the truth is, before I had possession of them, I could not give them to her. That's the point. God has never been sick. How can he give you sickness? God has never been poor. How can he give you lack? We, we track him. God can only give you what he has to give you. So whoever opened your mind with some bad theology, you need to clean that up because you need to posture yourself correctly because you're going into battle with a giant. And if you're not postured correctly, you will expect less from God than he is willing to accomplish. You need to understand that. When you're battling giants, you got to take the restraints off. You got to be ready to go out and do everything God calls you to do. You can't do that thinking that God is limited in his love for you. I don't know why people have taught that, but it doesn't line up with the scripture. And I challenge every person in here to challenge that thought. Don't take my word for it. That's what got you in the position you're in in the first place. Number three, after giants are not placed by God, giants are defeated in the mind first. Number four, giants come to distort your truth. You know the word. But giants have a way of asking you questions about your faith. Are you sure that scripture applies to you? Are you sure you've lived a life worthy to have that covenant? And I tell you, when giants are on the battlefield, it causes us to question things. Get your mind right. Number five. Giants are opportunities for God's glory. Giants are opportunities for God's glory. God allows giants to come in our life, to show up on the scene, so that we get a front row seat of his goodness. I get it. Sometimes these giants get awfully close. That's just to make the view better when they fall. Your father is still God and he's still on the throne. And although giants to us are giant, we need to start seeing things from our father's perspective. 10 foot, 500 pounds is scary to us. 10 foot, 500 pounds doesn't register as an ant to God. 
to us, the perspective seems insurmountable. To us, what we're dealing with seems like it's overwhelming, like there's no hope, like there's no peace, like we're never going to be back to normal again, much less blessed. All the time God's saying, I got the giant. I'm tracking him. Just keep trusting me. You keep standing on my word, which leads me to the last section of my sermon. How do you defeat your giant? Defeating your giant. Number one, you cannot defeat your giant with other people's opinion. So stop listening to them. Generally comes like this. Well, if I was you, I'd just give up. Well, you ain't me, so shut up. Well, if I was you, I'd just, you know, whatever they told you, you know, just yield to it and just whatever happens. Nope. Nope. There is no yield. I'm a child of God. If he calls me home, he's going to drag me kicking and screaming. I still got work to do here. And until I go home, I got business here. I'm going to keep on about that business. You see, the truth is, the Bible says it's, it's appointed to a, a man a time to be born and a time to die. God knows the day you were born. He knows the day he's going to call you home. So why worry about it? Keep being effective. Keep loving people. Keep challenging those around you, sharpening iron. Keep doing the right things. Well, Pastor, you don't know. We're going through this. We're going through that. We're going through. Listen, I know. It's a giant. I get it. I get it. But giants were only allowed to get to their size so they shake the ground when they fall. The only reason that thing has gotten to the point it's at is so that when it falls, the ground shakes. And even people around you go, what happened? You were against the ropes. Now it seems like you got victory. Yeah. Man, they, they told you, they, everybody around said, man, you were sick and died of COVID, but here you are healthy as a horse today. Yeah. Why? Ground needed to shake. You see, every once in a while, God shakes the ground so people still remember who God is. He shakes the earth. Sometimes he uses a falling giant to do it. And you and I are beneficiaries of the falling giant, but it may not be just for us. There may be people in the peripheral watching, needing to see the goodness of God in somebody's life before they trust him with their life. You see, what I said is, ultimately, everything we're going to talk about today happened because there is a God who loves you so much and he misses his children so much, he will do whatever it takes to bring his babies home. And if it means he's got to behead a giant or two in a stranger's life to let you see his goodness, trust me, heads will roll. The worst thing somebody could do is get between me and my children. You will have the title pastor back that quick. I hope somebody got some bail money because it's about to go down. Why? Because I love them. I will do anything for them. See, this, 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 this all goes back to this great giant, this one giant that we all 
have got to fight at one point in time or another. This giant with a tiny name, sin. Man, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. How do we defeat it? Remember that the battle's in our mind. I want you to see something. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, the entire Israelite army had already lost the battle of their mind. And it only took one boy to stand up. Y'all got their courage back. Point number three, how do you defeat a giant? Pick up the sword that God's provided and you kill it. What is our sword? Ephesians chapter six is the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. You use that scripture and you just cut that giant down piece by piece. You find some verses to stand on and dad gummit, you just keep standing until the giant don't stand no more. This week I was thinking, I was like, man, that's a big old sword. Goliath, they told me how big his spear was and I'm sure he had a big sword and everything. And I just felt the spirit say, why do you think I made Goliath carry it for David? And I went, wait, what? And I said, oh, I couldn't have come for me. That's too good. And I got to thinking about it. And the scripture says that God will make our enemies our footstool. The Bible says that God brings increase and he adds no sorrow to it. Watch this. David went out on the battlefield with a slingshot. It was good. But better was waiting on the battlefield for him. What he needed to kill his giant, God was providing. You, ain't, you don't even have to bring the provision to win. You just got to be obedient with what you have. Oh my God, that's good teaching right there. You just need to be obedient with what is in your hand. God will put a sword on the battlefield and wait for you. And you say, well, wait a second, that was Goliath's sword. Mm -hmm. Just until it wasn't. And when it wasn't, it really wasn't. Fell asleep from a slingshot, woke up and it lost his head. Crazy. What that tells me is that God is even thinking about strategies to give me for my victory even before I see it or can comprehend it. He's already planned it. Goliath's been probably carrying that sword for years. Carrying David's sword around for years just waiting on David to show up. So I ask you, what giants are waiting on you to run to the battlefield today? You can't get victory running from things. So get your rocks. Get that firm foundation, right? Get your sword ready. Time to go to the battlefield. See, your giants just wait there. And between me and you, they know they're already defeated. Point number four, how do you defeat your giants? No, the victory's already won. It's already won. How do I know that? Well, let me give you a little bit of my sword today. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse four says, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Now, now did you catch that? <laughs> well, I know God's with me. And... He fights 
for you. And he wins for you. And he lets you keep the victory. He says, hang on, hang on. I'll never forget. Man, this is a good story. I didn't give his first service. When I was in seventh grade, my brother was in eighth grade. And uh, I was about this tall and about this wide. Big old kid. Healthy. Big bounded, what they used to say. And uh, uh, I wore portly jeans, put it that way. Uh, uh, a guy in my brother's grade had just pointed, just picked me out for some reason. He just didn't like me for whatever reason. I was probably punk, whatever. And uh, one day, uh, he tells me to pick up his jock strap off the floor in the locker room. And I, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> well, he grabs his track cleats and he slapped me in the face with his track cleats. They had the spikes in them, scratched the side of my face. So I ran. I mean, when you hit me once with track cleat, I'm gone. That's just, that's the rule. You get one hit with a track cleat, Josh is gone. That's how that works. Well, I run, and on the way out, I run right into my brother. My brother's a little smaller than me, but he's twice as mean. My brother grabbed me, and he turned me and said, what happened to you? I said, man, nothing. He goes, what happened to you? Man, I said, I, I got hit. He said, got hit or were hit? Who hit you? I said, I don't want to talk about it. He said, you're going to talk about it. Who hit you? He said, is he in here? And I was like, oh, don't, man, don't. I didn't want him to get the same action I just got. My brother goes in there, and the only person in there is this guy. I ain't going to say his name because I'm friends with him on Facebook. <laughs> you know, 30, 30 years changes people, man. You know, you're like, hey, how are you? Good to hear from you. He's like, not really, though. Last time we talked, I left with stitches. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. We was all dumb with kids, though, wasn't we? Well, my brother goes in there. And he sees this guy sitting on the bench in front of his locker. And he grabs me and pulls me up. He says, hey, you got anything to do with that? And the guy just laughs. My brother reaches down real slow. Starts untying his track lead. He takes one off and he reaches down and unties the other one. He's got two, one in each hand. He said, you like hitting people track leads? He said, you enjoy that? The guy got real quiet, real serious all of a sudden. I watched my brother commence to tearing that kid to pieces with the track clean. Probably hit him 50 times. I mean, there wasn't a piece of his body wasn't broke open. Here's what's crazy. That boy healed. And then they became friends somehow. It got weird. The point of the story is that there's somebody that wants to fight on your behalf. There's somebody that wants to absolutely wreck your giant. And, and, and all you got to do is back up and identify it, understand it, and let God do the, do the work. Your job in the fight with the enemy is understanding the purpose for the giant, not fighting the giant. Not your job to fight giants. No, no, no. God gives us the victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, 57 says this, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of us had a giant to face named sin. We could not win no matter what. We needed someone to fight on our behalf. And so God looks around heaven and goes, who can bow up on a giant? Who is it that was able 
to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ever ask or imagine. Who in heaven? Jesus. Yeah, Dad. He goes, I need you to go down to heaven and take care of some giants. All right. I'm going to look the way you think it does, Jesus. Because that, that giant's going to nail you to a cross. That giant's going to break your body to pieces. They're going to put a crown of thorns on your head. And I love it. Jesus says, hey, it ain't about me. Let me put it in other words. Not my will. Thy will be done. All right. So now Jesus is hanging on a cross. And the sin says, I got another one. I took another one down. Another one bites the dust, baby. Right? The giant of sin had won again. With his last breath, Jesus looks up with a grin and said, It is finished. Can you imagine the giant of sin at that moment? What, 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 what's, what's he mean? It's finished. <laughs> what, 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 what's, 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 what's he talking about? It's finished. Do you know what he means when he says it's finished? Is he talking about he's finished? Because I agree with that. He's finished. <laughs> but he was looking at me when he said it's finished, like I'm finished. About that time, they took the body of Christ off the cross and they put it in a tomb. The Spirit of God came and lifted Christ from the dead. And the devil said, wait, we had victory over that body. Yeah, but you didn't have grounds to do it. This man never sinned, so you didn't have grounds to touch him. So you broke the rules. So that giant of sin that had wrecked every man from Adam all the way to me and you today was utterly destroyed by the God that just wants to kill giants for you. He's still killing giants today. Aren't you grateful for that? Everybody stay to your feet. We're going to close. Everybody stay to your feet. I don't know what your giant is. I don't know. But I can promise you that some of you in here are facing some pretty tough things. I read the connection cards. I know what you're dealing with. I'm going to make this really simple. Say, Josh, I know my giant. I have identified him. Trying to understand. Trying to defeat him. I'm trying to get to victory. But it just doesn't seem like it's coming. Well, sweetheart, it's a giant. It's not easy. I know that. Keep going. Keep doing the right things. Keep pursuing righteousness. Keep loving people. So if you're here, and you say, man, I've identified my giant. I know what I'm dealing with. I just, I just want to pray for you before I let you go. If you're here and you say, I know what my giant is. I just want prayer for it. If that's you, just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. You know what? I got a giant too. And uh, they're not easy. And I tell you what? God is faithful. He loves you. And he has not brought you here to leave you alone in the valley of Elah. You will watch your giant fall. And the people around you will watch your giant fall. And they too will say, God has been good. I declare that over each one of you today. I prophesy that your giant will fall. I speak the things that haven't happened yet as though they were. 
I see your giant has already begun to fall. I don't have the label. It's irrelevant. Giants are falling right now. Father, in Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to pray, church. Father, in Jesus' name. Whatever giants have come against your people, I just want to go stand on your word. And your word says that I just rest and you make them my footstool. You humiliate them to the point where I can prop my feet on my giant. So, Father, do it now. Do it now. Some of these giants are scary close. They're scary close. Getting hot. There's some serious situations that seem close. Danger hot. We need help. Father, right now, send the spirit of the living God from heaven and begin to just slay the giants in Jesus' name. Just one by one, may the giants fall flat on their face. And then, Father, give us the wisdom not to just wait. Let us run with the sword of the spirit and just continue to cut them off day after day. Get our peace back through your word. Get our hope back from your word. Get our joy back from your word. Father, get all the fruit of the spirit back from your word. Help us, Father, to not rest now that the giant has fallen, no, it's now it's time to go and take territory. Now it's time to go take captive those things which tried to take us captive. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it has freedom in it. It has victory in it. So, Father, I just speak victory over your children. Thank you, Lord. Your word calls you Jehovah Nisi, the God who is our banner. And written on that banner is the word Victory. To him who cannot lose, it's to you we pray. And I thank you that from this point forward, the enemy goes backwards or it dies, but it will not aggress any further. It stops now. Father, bring victory to your people and do it in such a way that the ground shakes, that the earth quakes from your strength, that people around us, that yes, they see our victory, but they begin to see the God of our victory. That's what we're after. That's why we're here, is to reflect you to a dark world. So Lord, destroy the giants. Whatever it is that's come against your people, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And I thank you that from this day forward, victory will be the portion of your children. Thank you. Bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. But Lord, you're in the valley of the fight with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we rest in that today. We trust you today. Bring us back next week with more wisdom, more of your word in our heart, and we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.